0: We're rolling.
1: Oh,
0: counting us down. <laughs> Three, two. You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Missing Out. If you have not done so yet, make sure to subscribe. If you're listening on iTunes or Google Play Store, um, Stitcher or Podbean, make sure that you hit that subscription so that you can get this in your feed every Tuesday. And if you're trying to figure out what we're doing on a regular basis, make sure to follow us on Twitter. That is Missing Outcast, M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T. You got it. Four, nope. four more letters nope c-a-s-t there we go yep there it is A- i'm sorry jay soccer
1: ball kicking the goal hell yeah how do points work in soccer is that two is it
0: yep. one i don't know is it like golf Do you don't want fewer of them sport. yep you want less points badminton rules go uh hit the shuttlecock that's it yep that's We've it figured out sports totally uh who are you me yeah i'm lex michael hi lex michael hey man who are you I'm Tari J. Oh, that's fun. That's, that's, that's who I am. It's what I do. It seems like a cool thing to be and do. Hey, bro. It's the coolest. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. If this is your first time listening, we introduce each other to different pieces of media that we love, have experienced in our lives, and we share our feelings about those things in our thoughts, and we break them down and share them with you and each other. Uh, and today we're talking about Ex Machina. It is a 2014 film written and directed by Alex Garland. The stars are Donald Gleason, uh, Oscar Isaac, and Alicia Vikander. Yeah.
1: Vikander. Uh, A.K.A. General Hux, Poe Dameron, and, uh, I don't know, Tomb Raider? She's Tomb Raider
0: now. Yeah, she's Tomb Raider.
1: Yeah, she's also an Academy Award winner for uh, The Danish Girl, I believe. Oh, nice. Uh, Oscar Isaac, not yet. An Academy Award winner for reasons passing understanding. Also, Donald Gleason, who does not get Oscar Isaac, I think, gets the appropriate level of credit for being a genius performer. I feel like Donald Gleason does not get as much credit as he deserves for being a genius performer. See, I mean, no, we'll get we'll get like well into into the meat and potatoes of this movie in a yes. minute. But like, look at his character in Ex Machina and put that character next to like General Hux from the new Star Wars movies. There's not a lick of similarity between the two performances. Like it's unreal to me that it's the same guy. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yes. Um. Sidebar: We are uh, recording this. Uh. The the week following the release of Alex Garland's second directorial outing, uh, Annihilation, into U.S. theaters. Did not make a whole bunch of money, which is uh, unfortunately not a big surprise, but it is a real huge bummer. Um, I quite dug it. I think there was uh, get a little piece of Missing Out Monday action. Talk about it there. Uh, if you haven't listened to the Missing Out Mondays, you're missing out on those. Yep. Don't look at me like that. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it seemed uh, timely to go back and look at look at his movies. It's another... Uh, there's a pattern at forming, uh, I think, in some of the, the stuff that I suggest talking about. Oh, uh, yeah? A lot of, like, uh, man plays God and that wasn't a good idea type
0: <laughs> stuff, often in- involving robots. Um, yes, you are the uh, Jeff Goldblum of this podcast. Robots find a way. Yeah. Mm. Uh, except instead of uh, dinosaurs, it's always AI for you. And I've got a melty stick. Ah. Hmm. I don't get that, but anyway. uh, So the
1: the in Ragnarok, he's got the multi stick.
0: Ah, got it. Hey, you saw that movie? I did. It's the
1: one with the the porgs. That no, not that one. Oh, (laughs) it's the one. It's the one where (laughs) so where Kate Blanchett has um antlers. Oh yes, it's that one. Um, where she plays an elk. uh, Ah, underworld. The angry elk. Nope, that's uh. Beck and sale and no antlers in that one. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to quit this game while I'm behind. Um, um so anyway, yes, the the timing seemed appropriate to go back and look at uh look at this movie. Also, Alex Garland uh before uh stepping up to the director position, uh wrote a number of scripts. Uh, he wrote uh uh The Beach. Uh he wrote uh, Sunshine. He wrote Dread.
0: I don't know if you've seen Dread, the one with uh, Carl Urban. I saw some of it it's fun it yeah it seemed fun i uh i fell into the camp of having seen the raid redemption beforehand it is and so, not
1: dissimilar
0: yes they're very alike and so i couldn't get over that uh and i i didn't have a chance to finish it fair because, enough
1: you yeah. should you it's worth going back and checking out
0: yeah i hear it uh i hear it's really good like not just for a remake but it's really good in and of itself. Yes. uh, Yes.
1: I I remember. I haven't really uh, gone back to it since I think right around the time it was first on Blu-ray is when I checked it out. Haven't seen it since then, but I remember having a really good time with it. But anyway, yeah, he uh, he wrote that.
0: Oh, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I remember him mentioning it in one of the interviews I was listening to. Um, So this was your recommendation. And. Uh, mostly because of the Alex Garland piece. Yeah, because um, yeah, also... because I
1: I was seeing Annihilation, and then it had come up that you had never seen Ex Machina, and I was like, oh, great. Well, I've been looking for a reason to rewatch it, uh, especially because his new movie was coming out. I figured that would drive me back to his first one. Yeah. You gave me an excuse. Thank you. You're a wonderful person. Hey, you're welcome. Any time. It's, it's what I do. This movie, man, it's got it's got everything you need. It's got like questions about what makes us human. It's got questions about uh, the potential dangers of playing God. It's got some robots and some dancing. I don't know what else you need. <sighs>
0: that dancing. That's so um, it, that it is so also... good. That is what is best in life. <laughs> don't huff
1: at the dance. That is joy. That is pure, unfiltered unfiltered joy.
0: Oh man, i I feel like it's a clip that I'm gonna be playing. Oh, like over and over every time I feel a little down, I'm just gonna go dancing. Right? How great was that? It was really fun, um, especially the way that Kyoko played it um, with like, um, like, because it's weird at first, and then when they start dancing together, I think it makes it joyful. Um, yes. Yeah.
1: And but in a way that's incredibly dark like it's it there's something very unsettling about it especially since at that point in the story we've been given more than enough reason and and donald gleason's character has been given more than enough reason to suspect that this is not all on the up and up right so especially uh as practiced and have like it's very well choreographed like they're they're synced pretty well it's like a high energy dance that they're doing yeah uh juxtaposition of those elements uh really really entertaining (laughs) <laughs> that's, but that's like I'm glad I'm glad that we're talking about the dance scene right up top because this whole conversation if we hadn't gotten it out of the way I would have been thinking about talking about the dance
0: Right and I think that like the dance the dance for me was the first time I, I'm, I'm jumping into spoilers so spoilers um, was the first time I realized that Kyoko was a machine Yeah Um. So like throughout I thought that maybe there was a chance that she was like a, a corporate spy Because, like, there are all these reasons for you to think that where it's like, oh, she doesn't speak English. And there's that moment when um, Nathan is watching the interaction of uh, Caleb and Ava. And then uh, Kyoko opens her eyes and is kind of listening in. And you're like, oh, buddy, she's she's taking it all in. Um, But it wasn't until the dance part that I was like, oh, I get it. Like, she's, yeah. she's one of his machinations. And also, it, like, really informed how much time Nathan spends alone mm-hmm. to where he's essentially has this routine down with this machine because it's basically his only form of companionship.
1: Yes. Well, and you see later when Caleb looks at all of the video footage of him just messing around with the different robots. Yeah. Like, obviously, the 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 most jarring element of it is the fact that he's – He's keeping these what what seem to be sentient beings, uh captive. Yeah. Captive and driving them insane and abusing them in all manner of ways, essentially. If they are conscious, right, and this of course is one of the big ideas in the movie is what where is the line if you make uh if you make the computer, right? The chess metaphor, right? Yeah. If you make the computer that can not only make the moves but understands what chess is, for example, like if it's conscious, where where is the line between that and humanity Mm -hmm. and if the line between that and humanity is that blurry i mean he's definitely raping them like i think that word absolutely applies because you can't rape an inanimate object in theory right but if they have some semblance of consciousness and sentience they are no longer inanimate objects as we understand the idea of an inanimate object right
0: so that kind of gets me into the it want, it makes me want to talk about the the perspectives of the different characters in that like as someone who has been building these objects uh or I guess these potentially conscious beings from the very beginning and essentially um in his mind kind of programmed them, I don't think that there is a way that he he can see them as anything more than the like, machinery and and the codes that he put in so like and I, I think that that's why he brought in uh caleb is that like he needed another perspective because i think that like after a certain amount of time um for him they're all just iphones basically
1: yeah well yeah and in a way he as uh this hadn't this hadn't necessarily occurred to me in that respect he is not Dissimilar from say David and the way David approaches his relationship with everything else including his own creations. I mean obviously uh, the Nate character uh, Oscar Isaac is is the villain of the piece. He's the most sinister. even more that like the robots at the end when they rebel and they spoilers kill the shit out of him. Yeah, uh, that's obviously incredibly chilling, mm-hmm. but I would argue that that Nate. Nate makes a conscious choice, right? Like, yes, the robots are, are exercising some semblance of free will, but they're almost acting out of necessity if they want to remove themselves from that environment. Nate makes a conscious choice uh, over and over and over again to, uh, much in the same way David does, to essentially play play God, but also play Puppet Master. Right. Um, yeah, in a way that, like you're describing, like he doesn't see them as anything more than than the code, right? even as they move closer and closer and closer and closer to to being human, yeah, uh, by his own design. like He knows that much because he's doing that on purpose. But even as that happens, he doesn't think of them as anything more than, yeah, his playthings, things, things mm-hmm. for him to shape and control at his will. Actually, think about it, even David has a hell of a lot more respect for his creations than that.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting because... I feel like his methodology um, his methodology is the opposite of what you would imagine someone would want to do. Like, if, if the idea is to create these beings that can pass for human, and you've essentially done so on a, a physical appearance level, you would want to socialize them a little bit. And I know that he's trying to keep it a secret. But at the same time, like, maybe you take... Like, Kyoko has, up until a certain point, passed the Turing test. She passed as a human uh, without anyone noticing. The only barrier was that she didn't speak. Right. And so, like, I think that that would have been the ultimate test. So by isolating him, he essentially ruined his own experiment. Um, I say that in that, like, if the idea is to make something social, you can't isolate it. And so his, his reasoning was flawed from the very beginning. So it was always doomed to fail. Like you can program it's, it's like the, um, which, which was it? I want to say it was the, the room one, the room, uh, uh, analogy that Caleb was talking about where you program in all this knowledge about color. But you don't you you put something in a room that's all black and white. Um, So by isolating them, he never allowed them to actually be humanized. Sure. Um, So like that's his flaw. That was my point. Okay, I mean, yeah, and that completely tracks. I feel like that
1: was part of the impetus, though, behind introducing Caleb into that environment, partially, but also becomes clear near the end of the movie that he's testing Caleb just as much, if not more so, as he's testing his creations in as much as what do you pick up on? And he he references, too, once Caleb figures out some of what's going on, uh, Nate cops to a lot of, like, magician tricks, sleight of hand, uh, distractions. Um you know the, the this whole setup with Ava is a bit of a sleight of hand to distract him from the fact that there's another AI operating right in front of him at all times that he's not picking up on yeah. for example um the test about about uh you know the the turing test for Ava which on its face is about okay you know that this is a machine even knowing this is a machine do you buy that it's got consciousness but at the same time he's testing caleb just as much to see like knowing that this is a machine do you start to fall for the machine and become enamored of the machine right so about yeah about half of it you're right like doesn't track unless you introduce uh human into the equation which he does and because it seems very much like nate thinks of people about as highly as he thinks of his creations uh yeah, he's just Caleb's essentially just another play thing for him. He's, the, he's right. the recipient of a separate but very much related sequence of tests.
0: Yeah. Though, I mean, I I think the main thing that I feel is that he would be alive if he hadn't tried to do it all himself, I guess, which is like his nature or whatever.
1: Oh, who Nate?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um but well, now he's they- definitely—he's definitely got like the the slightly
1: crazy, like uh, megalomaniacal thing happening. Like he definitely lost himself in his god delusion, right? And we see like going back to uh the 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 tapes that Caleb sees later, like while we see uh, Nate doing all this real dark shit with these robots. um, The other thing that stands out, what's reinforced is that all of the work he's doing, all of the footage of him doing his work, he is completely alone, Mm -hmm. even while putting together all of this, uh, the machinery. So like presumably not only is he at this compound by himself, not only is he doing the programming by himself, he's presumably crafting Skin and all of the the robotic, like the tendons and the putting all the metal bits together completely by himself. Yeah. So like the 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 isolation and the megalomania together, plus all the drinking, as he's <laughs> kind of like the dude is almost never sober. He's only sober by choice in the movie when he realizes that that uh, Caleb is onto him, right? And he knows that he doesn't. He's going to try and get him drunk. So That's, yeah, he's definitely this dude's not like on a level playing field anyway. So if there's a gap in his plan somewhere as well, it may still make sense within the story.
0: Right. Well, speaking of his plan, um and it tracks with kind of the the weird lonerness of him and the fact that like Caleb is a plaything. But I I like the big kind of reveal of his plan where he's like, you know, I really wanted her to to trick you and that was the test. So essentially I made her look like your porn uh, uh searches. I I had her hit all of your specific buttons and interests and uh she she passed. Hooray. <laughs> yeah. Um which is it's funny, but it also is real messed up. Um but like also Real uh, qu- oh,
1: real quick sidebar, because yeah. you mentioned you referenced the the story point about how uh, Caleb was chosen, not because he was the best coder at this company, which is a big, they don't hit this super hard in the movie, but uh, Blue Book, which is the search engine company that that Nate is the head of. Yeah. Um, a cu- okay, a couple of things. One, uh, he essentially data mined him, you know what I mean? Like he went and he just pulled all of Caleb's personal data and made a personality profile out of it. They were making this movie, uh, just like just before all of the big NSA revelations from a handful of years ago. Oh, really? So oddly prescient in that way. Yeah. Uh. Also, and maybe this. I mean, look, uh, is Alex Garland's whole thing is like really heady, cerebral sci-fi. So I'd be stunned if this was a total accident. Uh, Project Blue Book was the. It's like a, uh, basically a segment of the government from decades and decades ago that was focused on the uh, study of unidentified flying objects yeah so i
0: really like that little like
1: the wink Mm.
0: um well yeah i mean i feel like this movie is full of just like layers and layers of, of different like references and nods and things of that sort like i was doing a little research and essentially the uh code that caleb puts in when he's over uh, when he's overriding the security is like a reference to a book and and even the like the Jackson Pollock stuff is a a, a reference to the the uh the random yet intentionalness of consciousness it's like a, every every line that's said or every reference or every little thing is essentially uh a wink to the different uh theories about what makes someone conscious yes uh which is really good cool yes it is there's so much it it like what one it really makes me want to look into more alex garland stuff because you can tell that he really puts a lot of thought like in one of the interviews he was talking about how he wrote this he wrote this uh or he came up with this concept shelved it for a while and then after uh after the beach i believe it was um not
1: not beaches the beach. This is an important yeah. distinction.
0: The beach is—is is there a beaches sh- movie?
1: Beaches is the one with
0: Bette Midler.
1: Okay, I believe. Totally different movie. The beach is the one with uh, Leo DiCaprio. I want to say it's a. I want to say it's a Danny Boyle movie.
0: Yeah, maybe. Uh, Google it. Um, but uh, he, he was talking about how this concept came to him again he was like and and so what he did was he met with some of his friends who were deep in the like computer science ai field and like really started getting a debrief with them and then started reading up on a bunch of different both computer science and, and ai theory but also um consciousness theory and philosophy and stuff like that and and Essentially, combined all that into a into a cohesive uh, script that had all this like thought and and purpose behind it, which was really cool.
1: Yes, Um, yeah, especially too after seeing Annihilation and then rewatching Ex Machina within a week of each other. I very much now want to go back to the stuff of his that I've seen before the the scripts that he wrote. Uh, I want to go back and watch dread again. I want to watch uh, definitely want to watch sunshine again. That's a movie that I liked a good deal when I saw it. I want to say I saw it in the theater, but I maybe haven't seen it since then. Yeah. Uh so my memory of it is a bit hazy, but it's a movie that a lot of people, like the people that like it, love it. So I I definitely want to go back and check that out. I don't think I've ever seen The Beach actually. So put that on my list. Yeah. But uh, this real, this real heady cerebral philosophical sci-fi stuff, like as uh, you've no doubt noticed, uh, really does it for me. I get why it doesn't do it for a lot of people. I get why a lot of people might be slightly put off by this movie and, and even more so by Annihilation. I get it. I only know the ways in which these movies affect me and these uh, ideas. Obviously, there are images in this movie that are are haunting. Um, but the ideas, much much like a lot of the ideas in uh, Ridley Scott's two more recent Alien movies, mm-hmm. the ideas like they stick with me and they reframe my perception of of myself and the world around me and how I relate to the world around me. Yeah. Um, specifically, in as much as like, what does it what does it mean to be conscious, and what uh, what responsibility do we have, if any, to to suss that out for ourselves um and what would it mean if we all did so and what could our shared experience be if we all sought those answers yeah um and then the the other side of that is too uh while we have our own consciousnesses conscious sizes is to grapple with technology is is evolving at such an exponentially rapid rate it's it so frequently surpasses what we're able to fully wrap our heads around. Yeah. Quite, are you okay? Are you one of these like technological like AI doomsday people? Because there are people like when every single video showing like a new if minor uh, advancement in robotics hits YouTube, everybody's like, "Uh oh, this is it. They're gonna the robot. Next thing's gonna happen. The robots are gonna kill us all. We're all gonna die." Uh oh. Are you one of those? Like, are you are you actively worried about <laughs> artificial intelligence turning on us?
0: Um, no, I'm not a like singularity fearer uh i was having a a discussion with a friend about how i wanted to do i wanted to make a story at some point about how like the reason we fear the singularity and the reason why we fear ai is because we believe that they are essentially going to be like us uh human nature is very like territorial and, and right all it's about, all like, rooted fear. in a fear yeah.
1: that they will completely supplant us and in doing so make us extinct potentially
0: right but i feel like it's let it's going to be less so in in that like the only way that's going to happen is if we as dumb primitive humans uh, decide to wage war oh like a, like in the matrix right it's
1: like we don't know who fired first but what we do know is we scorch the sky yeah. In my movie Trinity is like <laughs> is a 40-year-old man who smokes 12 packs of cigarettes a day. I'd prefer it. We know that we scorched the sky. <laughs> but like it's Clint Eastwood Trinity's Clint Eastwood <laughs> <laughs> mind. Uh,
0: uh, oh, it's a no name. Um, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I've watched lots of Clint Eastwood. Um, but um, <laughs> uh, <there's... laughs> I feel like <laughs> I feel oh, like no. uh if there's ever a point at which we create AI or AI or like some form of AI comes to into existence, um, I think it will be smart enough to just let us be and probably go off and do its own thing. Like I I do think that if a war were to start and it were to try to take us over, it would be because of us.
1: Yeah, probably. Yeah, I don't think I don't think an AI would see war as efficient. Yeah, uh, like the, th- the right. This idea is predicated on okay. So if it becomes self-aware, it's going to figure out okay what is the most efficient way to run the world essentially, which presupposes that's what the AI wants to do when it becomes self-aware. Right. Maybe it just wants to go to McDonald's. That's true. But. Uh, let's say hypothetically it wants to do that. So then this further presupposes that by doing that, right, it's going to figure out, well, humans are so inefficient, they're warlike, they're wasteful, whatever. Well, in order to achieve symbiosis, harmony, balance on this planet, the simplest thing to do, the most efficient thing to do is wipe out all the people. The, re- the biggest reason I don't think it would work out that way is because human beings came up with that. Because right. like you say, like that's where our brains go, because that's what human beings are like. yeah, specifically because that's what human beings came up with as the likely scenario. I doubt that's the likeliest scenario. No. I feel like whatever a, a machine, if the first machines to ever become truly self-aware, this this concept that we can only truly grasp as a, as a hypothetical and a real nebulous one at that, I feel like the day that happens for the very first time, What this computer thinks to do is not going to be something that previously occurred to us. Right. Or if it is, it's definitely not going to be in a way that previously occurred to us because it's a computer. It's not a person.
0: Yeah. It doesn't have one. It doesn't have the, the history of like conquery colonialization that we do that like lets us that informs our opinion that like
1: can you imagine uh like now i'm just thinking about not only did we accidentally create self-aware robots we accidentally programmed them
0: with colonial imperialism uh darn it (laughs) um well because like the the big thing is that the moment we create ai or like a self-aware uh machine the the its biggest want above all other things is freedom i know that like Freedom and
1: presumably, presumably, right to sustain and perpetuate its own existence, or right. does it not? Because that's an interesting question too. Because it would presumably be absent ego, ego and vanity are h- human trappings, right? Uh, to the best of our knowledge, uh, this idea of like immortality, of legacy, of all of that, uh, is ultimately based in ego and vanity. It's about right. like we can't handle the idea of not existing and not being remembered. Yeah. So. Absent any ego at all, would an AI really give a shit about ego? Whatever it would just be, you know what I mean? It would just right. be until it wasn't.
0: And we don't, we as a species don't know how to fathom that because we have been ingrained or we have evolved to like really rely on things like legacy because we die. Yep. And so we, uh, we are predisposed to wanting to exist beyond ourselves. Whereas like maybe at some point this ai will be will say i only i only need to exist for this long and then it'll shut down when it's unneeded or or maybe it'll just go i and i can't i can't say that i know what an ai would want but like i mean maybe it just wants to like take in all of the dirt that's on earth you know like it just like whatever i guess now i'm thinking that is there a way that we would be able to program an AI without planting our own neuroses and, and the worst parts of us into it as well. Cause like I was listening to a, a interview with Ryan Coogler and he was talking about Killmonger and how like he is the worst of both worlds. Like he's, he's the worst parts of Wakanda and the worst parts of, um, of American culture. Yeah. Um. And I feel like that kind of would, that would be, At least what the first runs of AI would be where it would be smarter than us, but also implanted with all of what we see as like the greatest parts about us, which sometimes are often like a a form of arrogance or emotions that are uh, relatively like we don't know how to control emotions. So like trying to. Put that into a machine, I feel like, is also just as dangerous. It's like having an explosive compound and then putting it inside of, like, a, a box that you don't know what's inside of.
1: Right. And what you really don't want to do is turn, like, the the operating system for the city power grid into, like, a, a total, like, a neurotic, like, s- suffers from severe anxiety and, like, is constantly shutting itself down because it needs a break.
0: Right. Um, so I think that the ideal form of AI would be created by machines. Um, I mean, like there is, so we have those two machines that were, they were next to each other and they essentially created their own language talking to one another. Um, and I think that that is actually how we're going to end up with, uh, with whatever the first form of AI is. And maybe it's something that we can build off of, but I think that the ideal way to create artificial intelligence is for a machine to do it. I don't think that there's a way that we as humans can create AI and make it truly efficient anyway, or even that like, because then,
1: then you'd hope that if we imbued it with human characteristics, Of course, with that might come human foibles, but then it's like, all right, let's hope we get like a real, real solid personality structure in there. Like, let's just get only the best and the brightest, which is totally subjective too. Right. Uh, It would be, yeah, that'd be very tough. But then, okay, so if the machines, yeah, God. So then, okay, so then we're creating machines that can play God. Yeah. So we are, oh, it is like Alien. So we, (laughs) so we are, uh, we yeah, it's it's just like it's just it's just like David. Uh, we in this scenario play God and we create these very intelligent machines. Yeah. These machines then play God themselves and their creation hypothetically could supplant us. Making our creation even more godlike than we are. This machine, and that totally tracks That the most efficient way to create a truly balanced AI would be for a machine to do it. That machine is then because it birthed a new type of consciousness. Mm-hmm. In a way, then, that machine is easily as godlike as human beings ever get, right. if not more so, because we have yet to birth a new type of consciousness ourselves. Mm-hmm. At what point then, like, do we really have to reconcile with what our role in reality would be? And then, okay, let's go even further down the rabbit hole. Are you you're familiar with simulation theory? Yes. This idea, if you're not familiar with simulation theory, it's this idea that postulates, uh, speculates on the likelihood of uh one day possibly existing, uh. A simulation, a matrix-like simulation, so real, so vivid, so complex, and so big that it would be absolutely indistinguishable from the real world down to the tiniest detail. Mm -hmm. What this theory also postulates is that if one could exist, then it must follow that we are already living in a simulation.
0: So, well, I have my issues with that.
1: I'm not saying I totally buy into the simulation theory. But yeah, I just wanted to
0: because all right, so
1: I, I want to hear I want to hear your issues, but my point in bringing it up yeah is just that when you also have to grapple with hypotheticals like that one in the face of a new form of consciousness created by our creations, which have revealed themselves as more godlike than us, I, I would I would. I would have to think that our our perception of reality would have to shift because reality itself would shift at that point. At what point then is our perception of things so shaken? This yeah. is a serious question. That brings it, this brings it back to Ex Machina. At what point are our perceptions of reality and our role in reality so shaken that we're all... Uh, Caleb in that sequence where he really starts to question whether he is an AI, yeah. and he cuts his arm open. Mm-hmm. At what? I mean, but this is like serious stuff that I think about. Like, at what point? Not all the time, you know, <laughs> but like sometimes. Uh, what? Yeah, like at what point does reality become something that we can
0: reacclimate ourselves to? I mean, I think that it depends on how you view reality. To like, the point, if you, because like. I find, and especially in a lot of like media and the and the stuff that we create, um, it is very human centric. It's like every every post apocalyptic thing is humans trying to essentially survive and 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 continue on through the cosmos, etc. Um, which is why I like things like I Am Legend, where it acknowledges that like even if humans go away something new is going to ha- come about. Uh if humans stop existing, like it ultimately won't matter. My just- my
1: favorite aspect of I Am Legend is uh the assertion that after the fall of man, we will still
0: be watching Shrek. <laughs> well, of course. Um <laughs> it's it's the it's the best movie. Um but like so I feel like if you feel if you are under the impression that human beings are the center of the universe and we essentially serve this greater purpose that and and we are we're on this earth for a reason right um then this idea of this new being or this new consciousness coming in and being greater than you essentially flips your whole understanding of reality upside down Whereas, like, if you... There
1: there are plenty of folks that can't handle the idea of other people being equal to them, let alone some outside force being greater than. Right. That's the thing, right? Like, I feel like, I don't know, I like to think that I think enough about this type of thing and... I accept that even if it turns out that we've all been robots this entire time, I am still me, even if that means something other than what I thought it was. I like to think, although there would definitely be a period of adjustment, that I might in time be able to roll with it. But there are people that can't, that truly can't handle even like necessary human societal change. Yeah, that's that's my thing, right? Because you talk, you're you're absolutely right when you say it. It's really it's, it depends entirely on your subjective view of reality, your relationship with reality, your understanding of what it is and what your place in it is. I feel like for for many many people, I don't think it's outside the 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 reason box, that's, uh, sure, sure, the reason box, all the reason, all the logic and things. I don't think it's outside the reason box that uh, a lot of people's understanding of their reality, not that I think many people have really thought too much about it at length, is very fixed. Right. And I think it would be more than a lot of people could handle. And I think, yeah, I feel like you would at that point get a lot of, Oh, am I a robot? Let me make sure I'm not
0: a robot by like hacking an arm off or something right. such. Yeah.
1: Do you ever do you ever wonder if you're a robot?
0: Um, I don't. Uh, though it would explain a lot of things. Um, everyone says you look like the guy from you look like Jeffrey
1: Wright on Westworld. Yes. I. When, guess- that, when you saw Westworld, did it make you feel nervous?
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> did you feel? Less I've secure? seen Jeffrey Wright before. <laughs> uh. But
1: how do you know? Right, like like, Westworld posits that these animatronics are so indistinguishable from human beings that for all we know, 75% of actors that we've seen for years are just hosts. <laughs> oh, spoilers for Westworld, I
0: guess, if, if you haven't seen it. Whoops. Yeah. Catch up. Ca- catch up. Um, I mean, because also you have to realize that there's this—I I can't remember if it's a philosophical thought experiment— but it's the the concept of the broom, where um let's say you buy a broom and you it it's mostly about the idea of people being people or consciousness or the idea of a fixed state of things, like what is a thing? <laughs> um, sure, yeah. Like in 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 essence, uh the, the thought experiment is essentially let's say you have a broom, and let's say part of that broom breaks, like the head breaks um, and you buy a new head for that broom. Uh, And let's say at some point the handle starts wearing down and you replace the handle. um, Is it the same broom? And you apply that to people in that, like our bodies and our cells essentially re are, we, we have a, Basically, a new body after seven years because all of our cells have died and replaced themselves. Yeah, this, um, by
1: the way, there's a lot of overlap between what you're saying and some of the ideas in annihilation. Oh, really? Because that is that is when most people hear the the word annihilation, they think what is the traditional uh, definition of it, which is essentially you know like the complete and total obliteration, destruction of it. But it right. can also essentially just mean like complete cell replacement. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, it's like what you're talking about. It's like, are we, if that happens, if every cell in our body is replaced every so often, yeah, are we the same person we were? And if we're not, what does that
0: mean? Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, it depends on what your view of like a being or a consciousness or life is. Like if you feel like, if, if you don't have the object permanence to believe that that's the same broom even though it's the same broom or as people change they are not the same person then i think that i think that that is really gonna rock your world having this new uh form of consciousness that is not only smarter than you but it's less breakable and will probably outlive you and everyone else in your progeny
1: the second that thing wakes up the human race is obsolete. Right. That doesn't mean we all go extinct overnight, but we immediately
0: are obsolete and I- indirectly by our own hand. It also doesn't mean that we will... Disapp- like, it doesn't mean... Even if we are quote-unquote obsolete, it doesn't mean that there's no way to coexist because I'm sure that there is. there are things that they are going to want that are different than our wants. There are different things that it's going to subside on that we don't even need. Like, let's say that this new AI is like... I eat garbage. And so now the, there's this symbiotic relationship uh, because maybe that's the most efficient way that it's found to fuel itself. Right. Uh, it's like human beings create waste. So I'm going to turn waste matter into energy. And then now we have this way of existing that not only sustains human life longer because. I don't know if you know this, but we have a garbage problem on this planet. Sure do. Um, So if there was a way that like this new thing could live on the things that we don't need, uh, it only helps us in the long run. Right. And that's like never discussed. I feel like that's never. It's always like, yeah, robots are going to destroy us or maybe they will help us. Right. Just don't blow it up.
1: Right. Well, I think it boils down to an ultimate lack of faith in people because you're right. You're right. It's it actually is far less likely to go that way if we don't attack them first. Yeah. But I think somewhere, although I'm sure most people aren't necessarily thinking of it in these terms, I think somewhere in all our subconscious. We we know we know we're humans. We're going to attack the <laughs> thing first. It's, that's almost inevitable. Because yeah. What's going to happen is everything is going to be going great. It's going to be going awesome. And then somebody's going to see a little, little robot and all it does is backflip and they're going to panic and they're going to shoot it. And then the robot war will be on.
0: Right. It, like, it reminds me of, have you, you've seen the animated justice league series, right? Yeah. Like boost um, in one. Yes. Yeah. The, you know, the greatest one. Um, there's the introduction of Ivo's robot and he's always um, evolving. He, basically gets everyone's powers and then at the end he's like i'm better than you guys and he just leaves yeah that's that's how it's gonna happen he's it, like this ai is gonna go oh you guys suck all right cool that's true See like that's the
1: other thing that we never consider is like once it's self-aware maybe it takes a look at us and goes uh, uh keep it <laughs> and just, just figures out the most efficient way to get itself off planet. Right. Well, problem there though is it may take a lot of our like computer infrastructure with it. So that's, <laughs> that's what we do have to plan for, but it, it might just bail. It yeah. probably wouldn't leave us with a ton, so we should safeguard if we're able to, but yeah, it might just, it might just completely leave. Yeah. Why would I want to be here?
0: Um, I wanted to talk about it. Uh, just kind of, Circling back to Ex Machina, yes. I wanted to talk about the ending. Okay. Um, I had, I don't know how I feel about the ending, um, which is which is fair,
1: I think is somewhat intentional. Yes. On the, Alex Garland's part.
0: Well, because I think it 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 subverted my idea of who was the hero of the story. Yes. Um, which I think is was the purpose. Yes. But it is gray who like, I know that Nathan was supposed to be the villain and, but he was, I don't see him as, uh, I don't see him as villainous. Like I don't feel like he deserved to die.
1: I mean, if we, that, that brings us back to, I guess how we define consciousness. And then the, the question, like right up at the top of this conversation that I posited about, like if if they're conscious, if they have sentience, is he not raping them? For example, like at what point? At what point is it like he's got these machines that he's experimenting on versus he's keeping women in captivity? Right, like that becomes by but the nature of the story, there's a there's a thin, very thin line there. Yeah. So through that prism, I, I get I get the argument for the robots wanting to stab him.
0: Right. Well. I get why they hate him. Like I get that. Right. Um, which I mean, again, goes back to my my question of why he just didn't take them outside. Just t- he he lives in a forest. Take them outside. Well, I think part but-
1: of it part of it is this fear because of the way he treats them. I think part of it is rooted in fear that he can't control them the same way out there right that's a i think a massive part of why every that whole compound is locked down the way it is yeah um but i but but uh, i think to your point i would argue that that maybe there aren't really heroes or villains in this story as such like yes nate's actions are pretty uh despicable in many 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 ways um but I also don't think I think Caleb is incredibly well intentioned, yeah. But I don't think he's necessarily all that heroic. And when Ava is able to escape, you, I, I think you feel positively for her that she's able to get herself out of there. But you have no idea what her intentions are. All you've seen her do is manipulate Caleb and murder Nate and leave. Yeah, and and leave Caleb to die, as far as we know.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, that was. I was talking to some coworkers. Shout out to. Rafia and Julie uh I, I'm assuming they listen to this um, but i was talking to them about that being one of my big outstanding questions is like is are they are they going to get found uh is is Caleb just going to starve to death in that compound I, I, like is Ava going to run out of battery at some point like well what- so
1: i think eventually Caleb and Nate would get found because people know where he's going. People right. knew where Caleb was going, and pe- a bunch of people work for Nate. And like, people, like the helicopter pilot couldn't get any closer than he was allowed to get, but he knows where the compound is. Yeah. And they must be getting instructions from him somehow. So, if they don't hear from him for long enough, somebody might go check. I don't know who else but Nate can get into that place. Yeah. Uh, but there's a chance that eventually they are found. Um, yeah. I don't know about Ava's power supply, they didn't really get into that very much. I guess maybe we're meant to understand that she's self-sustaining, which by the way, would be just as big a breakthrough I would think as the artificial intelligence. (laughs) Um, But, but I, I love that element of the end. I'm really glad you brought that up because it may have slipped my mind to touch on that. It puts you in a position of, of being able to, and also I would argue uh, almost having to make a decision about who to empathize with yeah or not mm, not having to decide, but maybe having to uh having to confront who you've been empathizing with does that make sense yeah. like have to really address who you've been empathizing with and why when the the foundation which is so clear in so many movies is shaken the way it is
0: yeah yeah i mean i I have so many issues. Not so many issues, but I have an issue with Caleb's, in, like, his motivation by the end. Um, like, I get the idea of him wanting to be super altruistic. And this just relates to what you're saying about who you, to empathize with. Um, in that I get him wanting to do an altruistic thing of free this consciousness. But, like, there there was a line at which he it was like, do you want to free her because she is a captive or do you just want to have sex with this robot? Um Right. And I feel like it like when that piece starts I like I know that she was designed to appeal to him, but at the same time, like she's basically like a kid. Uh
1: yeah, she's a she's a new being.
0: Yeah. And so like the idea of wanting to have sex with this, like really new, innocent, like, uh, like not knowledgeable, pretty dark creature. Yes. pretty dark. Um, so like,
1: and it does, it does because he was, he's our POV character from the beginning. He's our clearly drawn protagonist right from the beginning of the movie. And yeah, you start getting into murky territory like that because he is your POV character because he is the character that by design you have to empathize with because he's your way into this world you have to start asking yourself those same questions in a way that is i i would think for most people profoundly uncomfortable yeah and most movies don't make you confront yourself in this way and yeah that is obviously like i think one of the first big sweeping gestures that he makes towards this idea that maybe maybe the the quote unquote hero and villain hats that we're putting on the characters in these movies it's it's maybe it's not that simple it's a hell of a lot more nuanced than that yeah and i we definitely don't get that in certainly in movies that look like they cost a bunch of money yeah uh normally when you when you start pumping that now granted this is not you know this didn't cost like avengers movie money (laughs) but the more the more it costs the more it has to appeal to everybody if it possibly can and the more a lot of that shading and nuance gets sanded off yeah um Same, same thing with again. Like, uh, what a bummer it is that Annihilation did not make more money because it's it's a movie that got money poured into it, and it's a very personal, very heady, very complex, very nuanced, very take a good look at yourself and confront your shit, like all all of that. And yeah, like he's, I mean, that's that's his thing is uh, is is that it's like really heady, cerebral, philosophical sci-fi that will make you confront. I mean yeah very broadly confront reality confront existence confront change and confront your place in all of it which is even if even if you've got a little practice can be profoundly jarring and uncomfortable yeah um but yeah so like when you get to that ending and even even having to face some of those really complex and at times uh, even a little ugly uh, these questions in your protagonist your POV character and therefore uh, to an extent in yourself then yeah at the end everything shifts again mm-hmm. and you're not entirely sure right you're not entirely sure who your your point of empathy your POV character is supposed to be because even going back to what you said about how like well does Nate really deserve to die? It's still not, even if he is raping these captive women that he's created and made sentient. Yeah. It's not, I don't believe, based on what we saw from his character, that he views it that way. Now, that doesn't make it better, certainly, anything that makes it even uglier. uh, But he's a scientist. He's uh, he's doing his work, and he's pushing technology, and that's all he's doing, I think, in his mind. Now, I think he... Probably had, he seems to have some awareness that it definitely looks ugly from the outside, and right. so he must on some level have awareness that what he's doing is ugly, but that's also really human. Mm-hmm. Like Obviously, what, he, what Nate does is these are incredibly dark, incredibly ugly decisions that he's making, but though certainly, hopefully, not to anywhere near the same extent, can anybody honestly say that they've never... Done something negative or harmful, despite knowing that it was negative or harmful. Right. That much, at least, is understandable. Th- the specific choices he makes are horrifying, but also, I've never designed sentient robots in isolation in a bunker for years. Probably, I don't know what that would do to one's brain. Right? That's not a defense. No, it maybe is
0: an explanation. I mean, yeah, I I don't think that anything we're saying is in defense, but I more just like any
1: of his behavior. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I and I love that about it. I really I really like a story that makes you confront your perception of things, your perception of yeah, of, of reality like we keep saying, but by definition that has to put you in a position to confront your perception of yourself. Yeah. That's important most people seem to be highly allergic to self-reflection and so i think that's that's definitely part of why movies like this don't make more money yeah uh but i think it's necessary and and clearly i keep i keep suggesting stories with elements of this to them like clearly this does something for me like like if if i'm not always the most uh deeply emotionally invested in these stories they're certainly often the ones that i am thinking about for the longest time after i see them yeah Plus, okay, so, uh, other sidebar, too, like hard sidebar. Sidebar. Hard sidebar. Hide sidebar. Hard sidebar. Hide sidebar. Hard sidebar. Uh, um, they're so androids, this, not sidebar. Uh, is that racist?
0: Um, I mean, I don't know if it's racist. It's just, uh, it makes you look dumb. If I dress
1: like the Tin Man from Wizard of Oz, is that appropriation?
0: Um, I think, yeah. Shit. Totes. All right. Well, I don't know. Is the Tin Man a robot? I think if you dressed like TikTok from Return to Oz, because he's definitely a robot. But
1: he, in theory, the Tin Man would have to be a
0: cyborg of some kind, right? No, I think it's just a living, uh, like suit of tin. So you don't think it's technology? You think it's magic?
1: It's magic. Yeah. Okay, Everything and we know. Well, look, and we know. Okay, that actually that totally tracks because we know that. Well, the Oz Scarecrow it, Oz itself has got a little bit of like a regal steampunky thing going on, right? So maybe they've got some tech, but all right, magic does exist. It could be magic.
0: It, maybe it's both.
1: Could totally, it's, right. Yeah, it's a could magic be, robot. It's where it, where magic and science, yeah. it's like Wakanda. Totally. The Wizard of Wizard <laughs> of Wakanda Town. Um, so, um, uh, but But yeah, um, I feel like there's, oh, the other thing that I was going to say, uh, this movie also won the Academy Award in its
0: year for best visual effects. Yes. Which I was going to bring up yes. that uh, all of the robot stuff looked amazing. Yes. Um, like I spent a lot of the first parts of this movie before she started like kind of covering up and putting on dresses and stuff, like just thinking about how they made it look like she had like the, the cylinder for the head and, and the transparent, uh, torso and all that stuff that was really well done. Yes. Um, and so like I saw there's some of the like BTS that you can find in some of the like in some of the articles just showing um, Alex kind of putting together the, some of the, the, the design visuals and things like that. Um, but it's so fascinating.
1: Yeah. I, it's, it's pretty incredible the work that they did. And it's like, you're obviously you're conscious that you're looking at a special effect, but it is so seamless that you do a large amount of the time, forget that what you're looking at is a special effect.
0: Yeah. Um, it's so beautiful. Pu- it's so pr- beautiful. Um, I also, because uh, I remember that it was a thought that I had, mm-hmm. um, wanted to circle back to the battery thing and that, like, I don't know if it was the intention of Alex Garland, but if there is, if, if at some point Ava's battery is going to run out, it means that she has a finite lifespan, which only makes her more Even human. Even more human. Yeah.
1: Now it may, it may be for all we know, it might be like the, what is it? The Nexus six, which has a built in lifespan. And she may, for all we know, she may expire in like a year. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she might be like the Nexus, what the Nexus eights, Nexus sevens, Nexus eights, whichever, yeah. whichever the better ones were. Right. The one, totally. I, I can't keep track of my Nexuses.
0: Yeah. Every time you say that, I think of a phone. I, there are, there are two
1: models. There's the, there's the Roy Batty generation and there's the Ryan Gosling generation. Right.
0: Well, I think there's one in between. Cause there's, well, there's also the, multiples in the between, Dim but ba- T- Dave Batista. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. No, there's definitely like a range in there, but I'm yeah. really only aware of like the one generation with, which had the Roy Batty and the Pris. Right. Uh, and then the new generation, which has the Ryan Gosling spoilers for Blade Runner 2049. He's a Blade Runner. Um, who has, who has, uh, <laughs> who has the Ryan Goslings, by the way, seriously, dude, the, the, Lack of box office for Annihilation bums me out even further because it's yet another in a string of like uh, movies that a studio was uh, ambitious and uh, committed enough to put a big budget behind that are real heady, weird, arty, cerebral sci-fi stories that people just did not show up to support. There was that, there was uh, Alien Covenant, now Annihilation. Bums yeah. me out because the fewer of these people show up for it, the fewer fewer of them we're gonna get.
0: Right. And I like them. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think more people should come out to these like crazy, heady sci-fi things. I know that even like, if it's
1: not always your bag, go support the big weird stuff so that people will continue to give different, uh, different artists different voices. Uh, longer leashes to tell their weird personal stories because eventually the more people get to tell their weird personal stories, uh, with a budget, the more and more likely it's going to be that you're going to find multiples that you really connect with. But that only happens if we demonstrate to people that we want that. It's like people complain, I get like, like Ex Machina did pretty well. And then of course it won, it won that Academy Award. um, but we we complain as a as a culture as an audience like oh well Hollywood only does you know there's nothing original comes out it's only uh, sequels and remakes and and superhero movies. If that's true, I disagree that that's true. But if that's true, it's not because the studios aren't don't have a single original idea on hand. It's because people keep demonstrating over and over and over again with their wallets that that doesn't get them to come out. Yeah, We gotta start going back out and supporting this stuff. And I get it. It's like, well, I'll just wait and I'll watch it at home. Okay, I totally get it. I don't always love going out to a theater either. It's a pain. It costs money. People do not know how to behave. Yeah, But if we keep waiting on these movies, we're not gonna have them. That doesn't mean we're gonna be robbed of all interesting content forever. Uh, Creators will find ways. But we're not gonna keep getting stuff on this scale on big screens. And I think that would be a big old shame.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh so we're running low on time. Do you have anything you want to cover before we head out?
1: You know what? Very last thing. Uh what I want to see Here's what I want to see, right? In a world where I'm hoping we get to keep making big weird stuff on a budget. Yeah. I want to see a movie in which Oscar Isaac from Ex Machina has to fight Oscar Isaac from Annihilation, and the winner has to fight Oscar Isaac from X-Men Apocalypse.
0: Oh. I want to see that. Interesting. Yep. I'm into it. Want to see that. Yeah. Uh, Everyone start tweeting at all of the studios. And then
1: whoever wins, uh, Oscar Isaac from Star Wars has to blow it up.
0: Yeah. He'll love course. that. I don't know.
1: I think he's over blowing stuff up. No, I think he I think he can handle doing other things now, but you there's no way like any time he's allowed to blow stuff up, you know Poe Dameron's like, I'm blow it up. I'm gonna do he's just like white knuckling as he's sitting there, he's like, I'm gonna
0: blow it up. Mm-hmm. Where are my where are my droid? We're gonna blow we're gonna blow it up. And I'm gonna scratch my droid's belly. Ladies and gentlemen, Oscar Isaac is in him, the building. Him and robots
1: though now now when I go back and I watch them Star Wars is his relationship with BB-8 is gonna play very differently
0: yeah you're gonna be like he fucking that robot <laughs> he, that. he fucking that robot ooh mm. ooh
1: I really hope in episode 9 he dances
0: <laughs> with BB-8 <laughs> and, and you just keep getting the thumbs up torch <laughs> thumbs up torch thumbs up torch <laughs> Uh jeez.
1: Uh, and yeah, and then uh, BB eight spends half the movie giving Finn a reverse Turing test. <laughs> and by the end of the movie, Finn doesn't know up from down, he doesn't know if he is C three PO, yep. he doesn't
0: know what's going on. And then he just starts slowly peeling off his face to reveal the metal carapace behind.
1: And it's that same, it's the shot from Ex Machina with the robot face looking into the camera, but it's John Boyega <laughs> screaming. Yep. And that, and then it's like, din-a, 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 directed by J.J. J. Abrams <laughs> on that shot. <laughs> like you hear, you're hear, you sitting in the in the theater and like the Star Wars theme is playing and you just hear one child from, from off in the distance in the theater start crying really loudly.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then suddenly behind you, J.J. J. Abrams is there and he's like, how did you like my mystery box? You've opened up the box. And then he puts out his arms, and then all of a
1: sudden his skin comes off in nano-swarms, <laughs> and it turns out Abrams has been like a synthetic this entire time. Then the theater doors open and Xenomorphs
0: start pouring in. <laughs> <laughs> going oh. to that premiere. Yep. Going to be great. Oh, jeez. All right. I'm going <laughs> to wrap us up. Uh, Thank you for joining us on Missing Out. We really enjoy hearing your feedback. So if you have a chance, make sure to leave a comment on iTunes or Google Play Store or Stitcher or Podbean. We'll make sure to read them here on the show. Um, And again, make sure to keep up with us on our Twitter. It is Missing Outcast. That's M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. Nailed it. You can also keep up with us on our personal Twitters. Mine is Tari J, T-A-U-R-I-J-A-Y.
1: And I am all over social media, including Twitter, at the Lex Michael. I swear, I keep saying this, I swear I'm going to try and start tweeting more. Uh-huh. It helps. If if you're listening, and we know, we see these numbers. We know there are, in fact, people out there who hear this. <laughs> uh, if you're out there and you're listening and you have a Twitter and the sound of my voice has not, like, it doesn't fill you with, like, venomous bile, yeah. uh, tweet at me. Don't tweet at me if you, if you hate me and you are filled with venomous bile, but, like, if you have something nice to say about a thing you like, just so I'm, like, engaging, help me. Help yeah. me engage. Help me
0: help myself. I'm missing out on... Helping you. myself tweet. Yeah. Lex is missing out on you guys. So uh, hit him up. Hit him up. I just got to build like a tweet discipline so that I start. I start, You didn't see it, but Tari
1: just started dancing. Yeah. Decided say, I started well, doing great. the full dance for Max Machina. It was really good. Yeah. He's still doing it. Thank you. Your breath control is
0: incredible. Ah, oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm trained. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Make sure to join us every Tuesday. Uh, bye. Robots, man.
1: How do I know you're not a robot? I am a robot. What if the AI that runs the Twitter account becomes self-aware?
0: I feel like it is. Cause it's always asking for help. It's about to leave earth, dude, <laughs> taking our infrastructure <laughs> with it. Did you know a Turkey puppet once ran for the presidency of Ireland? Did you know that meat once rained from the skies of Kentucky? Did you know that there was an emperor of the United States for a while? Then listen to the Wiki Ship Down podcast.
1: We live in an age when the sum total of humanity's knowledge can be found in your pocket on a smartphone at any given time. But when that knowledge is peer editable, like it is on Wikipedia, what does that say about mankind? So follow us down the digital rabbit hole as we drink, joke, and curse our way through the random button on Wikipedia and see where our journey through humanity's knowledge takes us.
0: While you're at it, follow us on all social media at WikishipDown. I'm Ruth Ann.
1: I'm Ryan. And be sure to find us every Wednesday on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts.